Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Today's message is called A Love Letter from God, and the text is Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, 1st through 7th verses. This is one of my favorite scriptures. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. When was the last time you received a love letter? How many of you have ever received one? Texting LOL does not count. I'm not even sure what that means. Lots of love or laughing out loud. The truth is, love letters have gone the way of all letters. People don't write anymore. With the advent of email, IMS, Twitter, this younger generation isn't the least bit interested in waiting a couple days for a message, let alone writing one. Anything worth saying these days has to be instantaneous. And if it can't be interpreted by OMGs, Ks, LOLs, then I guess it's not going to be written. What's so good about an old-fashioned love letter is it takes time and effort and thought. You absolutely cannot multitask while writing a good letter. It's personal and, and, and personalized. We live in a depersonalized era. We are so connected to technology that we run the risk of disconnecting from each other. That's why I love the Bible. That's what makes today's biblical text so beautiful. The prophet Isaiah has given over his own voice to that of the divine. So the I in the text is God, the only speaker. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I will be with you. How comforting and consoling to hear directly from God. In context, God is speaking to Israel. The bloody, bruised, and battered nation that has been conquered by the Babylonians is frozen in fear over its circumstances. The people are in this predicament, of course, because of their disobedience. They have not behaved as they should, a royal and holy nation chosen over other nations, not because of who they are, but because they worship God. So their fears are not unfounded. But God tells them to cast aside those fears. He will exchange 
other nations for them. He will bring back their scattered sons and daughters from every direction. Yes, they will go through hard times, but they will not be alone. God has redeemed them. The Hebrew term for redeemed is gall, which is translated to buy back, to act as kinsmen. In ancient times and in some Middle Eastern and African nations today, when people are taken into slavery, the only way they can be freed is to be bought back. God makes this claim based on God's relationship and responsibility for Israel's existence. This claim is direct and clear. How can a mother forget her children? How can the Creator abandon His creation? Now, this assurance is bittersweet. God says there will be floods, there will be fires. The people of Israel were familiar with all of these kinds of events. They had been in waters over their heads. In fact, they had seen their enemies drown in the very waters that saved them. They had memorized the stories of deliverance from fiery furnaces, but how could they believe they would survive again? Because it is God's Word. God's Word cannot fail. And as the Word has taught us Sunday after Sunday, day after day, God's judgment never stands alone. When we speak of God's judgment, we have to speak of God's mercy. Israel, deserving God's judgment, could still look to God's grace. Reformed theologian Karl Barth calls this the dialectic of God. You see, God is too big and complex to be limited to one quality at any one time. While we usually think of God according to our narrow anxieties or our limited desires, we forget that God is bigger than that. You can't box God in. God's justice is bound up in his holiness. His wisdom is connected to his sovereignty. His judgment is bound to his mercy. And it is all tied up into God's love, unconditional love. How amazing is that? Why does God love Israel so? Well, that's a tough question. Deuteronomy 7, 7 says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number, for you were the least of all people. Yet God comes to this poor, oppressed people, this tiny country, in bondage to the Pharaoh of Egypt, and in a series of great saving acts through fires and floods, he liberates them out of his amazing love. Whenever Israel disobeyed, God's heart was broken. And there was always a consequence, but it never diminished God's love. Think about that. Take that in. Because God has the same love for you and me. We really don't know why. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, Jesus says. I chose you. It's nothing we've done. It's the great paradox of the divine. It was a mystery for the Israelites, a mystery for humankind from the very beginning. But God loves us. God is love. Creation was not only an act of God's power, it was an act of love. Yet, a young man gets off the bus in downtown Boston. He's been away in prison for several years on a drug charge. He looks around the neighborhood where he grew up, but he doesn't feel at home. Nobody acknowledges him. A young woman finally leaves her boyfriend, who's been abusing her for years. She grabs her children and finds a shelter, but after a few days, feels lost. Maybe she should go back. An old woman lies in her sickbed. Her children rarely visit, and now she's been hit with a chronic illness. She doesn't feel like sitting up, let alone getting up and going outside. Life doesn't mean much anymore. She feels worthless. 
There are so many people all around us right now who feel worthless and unloved, who've been tossed around and beaten up and worn down by the world. If God is so great and has so much love, how could so many people feel so worthless? Like the Israelites, we forget to whom we belong. One of the most profound passages in the Bible, 1 John 4, 8 and 16, reminds us God is love. And belonging to God means we belong to love. We belong to love. God's nature and God's essence are love. Love permeates God's very being. And we, we forget that. Now, we all will go through waters and fires of hard times when we feel over our heads and totally unprepared for life's challenges. Those are the times when we may feel that God is not there, and that's a scary feeling. People who don't have God don't have purpose, and I don't know how you can have purpose without God. What makes us worthy is not our individual achievements or our so-called status in the world. What makes us worthy is God's gracious love. If only we could believe that and then treat each other like God treats us. I just want to suggest to you this morning that you owe love back to God. That's what the Apostle Paul means when he says you you show that you are a letter from Christ written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You worship God in the way you carry yourself at work, in your family, on the streets. You worship God in how you treat your loved ones. You worship God in the way you act towards strangers. And I'm not talking about spouting scriptures. You don't get credit for the number of times you put Jesus in a sentence. Worshiping God is opening up your heart to the world. The term half-hearted means lukewarm, passive, unenthusiastic. Worshiping God means living your life with passion and purpose because your whole heart is turned in love toward God. And that means you have to be committed to your faith. That means you know that the God who is immutable, unchanging, who spoke directly to the Israelites, speaks directly to you. This is a love letter from God. God knows you by name. God knows your specific circumstances. He knows all the times you've made mistakes and bad choices. He knows when you've been willful. He knows when you've gone your own way. And yes, there will be consequences for wrong actions. There always are. But you can rest assured that the same God who is familiar with your problems knows your potential. God knows what you face and will be there to provide for you and protect you. But God wants your obedience. There may be people right here who feel that you've done some things and there's no way God will forgive you. But I'm here to tell you God will forgive you. The word says you are precious in my sight. You are honored and I love you. Please know how much God loves you. And if one day you feel a little shaky, a little put off, a little far away, then just turn to the Word and read the love letter. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. 
Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you let love.